Chapter Eight of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Eight The Battle of Free for All. Chubby Kramer and Claude Hazard headed for the battleship Gray entrance to the naval exhibit. It was a warm morning in late July, and only a handful of sleepers were about in the big deserted Kilgloom Park. Once within the curved entrance, the boys halted by the side of the artificial lake. Off to the left were the half-arc of seats, rising circle on circle. To the right and across the smooth surface of the lake arose the tinny rocks and gray fortifications that indicated a harbor's mouth. Several tiny red buoys marked out the channel in the line of minefields. Through this mouth of the harbor would strain the miniature craft used in this realistic naval warfare show. As Chubby and his chum watched the still scene, out of the harbor's mouth began to stream a trim gray warship. She was miniature but complete to fighting tops. Abreast of the fortress above the rocks, she made a sharp turn to the right, and as her broadsides came into view, Chubby saw a small black paw thrust out of a porthole. I think I know the owner of that paw, Claude grinned. So do I. So does every employee in this park, replied Chubby Kramer. Let's hail the skipper. Twin rooms roared across the pleasant waters. The miniature battleship was swung sharply to port, and then steamed directly for the edge of the lake, where the two boys stood. As with open-mouthed admiration they watched its approach, the top of the battleship began to lift. When the whole superstructure was tilted to a crazy angle, the perspiring head and shoulders of Angelo Daly appeared from the depths of the battleship. Whoopee! You fellows just wait till I steer this old Maryland over to where you are. The warship was heading too sharply for the side of the artificial lake, and Angela shouted, Get your bows, Chubb, and swing her around. Swing her around, I tell you. Chubby and Claude leaped to obey. The sixteen-foot battleship was caught, her progress checked, and gently she was laid alongside the wooden side of the lake. Gosh, if I had smashed up this boat, Dickie Dooley would never again have let me run her. Angelo addressed somebody invisible within the boat. Let go my leg! I tell you, let go! There was a sound of a scuffle down where the engine room of a real battleship would be, then the small figure of Buddy scrambled up Angelo's back, clung to an ear, and then sprang out to cling to a tilted fighting top. You come right back here, or I'll... Whatever Angelo threatened was lost, as Buddy chattered his teeth at his imperious master. The next moment he paid for that imprudence. Angela lifted the superstructure and tilted it till the fighting top and the clinging vine of Buddy were submerged in the warm waters of the lake. A rat-like-looking animal came scrambling along the fighting top. I told you you'd get a ducking if you didn't behave. What you really need is a razor strap, and I know where to hang. Evidently, this bit of information had a subduing effect on the lively Buddy, for he sat out in the bowels to sun-dry. Angela turned to his grinning companions. Chubby said, you certainly know how to handle monkeys. Oh, I guess I know something about them. Angelo dismissed the compliment with an airy wave of his hand towards the harbor's mouth. Tell you what you do, and we'll have some fun. Anything that doesn't work suits me down to a T, exclaimed Chubby, stretching luxuriously. You're not telling me anything I didn't know. Angelo shot back. What's this fun? asked Claude eagerly. Listen, and I'll tell you. Angelo studied the gray Maryland with one hand on the side of the lake. Come around back of the scene. Then, Claude, you get in the Jackberry, and I'll steal the John Paul Jones. And Chubby... Angelo studied the substantial lines of Chubby Kramer. 
No, he might squeeze in, but we'd never get him out of a destroyer. I'll tell you what, Chubb. You take the New York. You can sit in that battleship and breathe. Then we'll have some naval maneuvers around the lake. What do you say? The eyes had it. All right, then. I'll meet you back at the scenes. Help me shut the superstructure down. Willingly, Chubby and Claude lent hands to replace the tin top over the toy battleship. There was a whir astern as the switch was thrown on. The Maryland swung gracefully away from the edge of the lake and was steered by the invisible Angelo straight for the entrance to the harbor mouth. Buddy, left on deck, clung to a fighting top, and to say the least, looked singularly out of proportion and out of place on that warship. The two boys watched the receding battleship, and then they began to run around the lake. They flashed to the door that led backstage, and at once they were in a mighty enclosed navy yard. The dozen of miniature warcraft used in the naval show were floating here. Some employees in bathing suits were working on the engine of a battleship, and others were repainting a cruiser. Very neatly, the Marilyn came in from the sunlight. A noise like the siren on a radio car sounded a warning. Then the Marilyn stopped at her dock. Buddy leaped ashore, but a muffled voice ordered him back on board, or a razor strap would be applied. Buddy obeyed. Angelo uptilted the superstructure and scrambled out. A smear of grease across his face had been acquired since his last talk with his chums. He whistled, and Buddy leaped to his perch on his master's shoulder. Then Angelo jumped across the narrow oblong of water to the next runway. Here was anchored a small battleship, the New York. Come on, Chubby. Claude and I will shut down the top on you. Hurry, leave your clothes with mine over there and wear your shorts. For I'm telling you, it's more than warm inside those boats with the superstructure down. When Chubby was undressed for battle maneuvers, he took a seat inside the launch. Indignantly, he refused Angelo's offer of instructions on how to run the engine. Don't you think I knew how to make a launch go before you were out of the kindergarten? All right, then. Meet us out on the high seas, said Angelo daily, giving the New York a shove that sent it almost to the exit from the Navy Yard. Then Angelo turned to Claude and whispered delightedly, I want to get Chubb out of the way, for we are going to have a real battle, only he doesn't know it yet. How? Angelo grinned broadly, made his way to where his clothes were thrown. From the back pocket of his knickers, he extracted two bean shooters and a handful of ammunition. Carefully dividing the beans into equal parts, he gave one to Claude. We'll maneuver about in the destroyers for a while, and then you get one side, and I'll lay off the other. And when we have Mr. Tubby, New York, where we want him, we'll pepper him good and proper. He added the interesting information. There is a porthole just aft of midship, where Bean will get him in the back of the neck, and he can't do anything. But yell, finished Claude delightedly. The two got into their smaller launches, pulled into place the destroyer's superstructures, and started up their motors. Once at the narrow harbor entrance, the John Paul Jones and the Jack Berry straightened and headed for the trim New York that was circling lazily in the middle of the lake. Angelo had lit the massive waste that was stuffed into a smokestack, and as soon as his craft gathered speed, a credible smokescreen was being laid down. He stopped his destroyer alongside Claude's and whispered across, you lay off his port side and begin shooting your blanks. Then I'll come creeping up, and when I get the range of that porthole, listen to the chubby yell. Okay. The destroyer separated and came cruising up on the unsuspecting New York. Claude's Jackberry opened fire with its forward gun. At once the New York barked back. Bang, bang, bang. The echoes crashed back and forth. Chubby was enjoying the fight and trying to get closer to the destroyer. He did not see the John Paul Jones come sliding up on his starboard side out of the smoke. 
When Angelo had the range, he reached for his bean-shooter, loaded his mouth with ammunition, and opened fire. The first shot missed the porthole by an inch. It was really a tracer shot. But once Angelo found the range, he shot again. This time a yell of muffled pain came from the inside of New York, and its blank shooting suddenly ceased. Chubby struggled as well as his cramped quarters inside the miniature battleship would permit him to look through the porthole that exposed the section of his neck to Angelo's sharpshooting. Another well-aimed bean caught him on the ear, and his yell was 100% in earnest. He made a fatal mistake. He tried to discourage the John Paul Jones with words of warning. Claude and the Jack Berry made the most of his opportunity. He replaced his pistol with his bean-shooter, and through a porthole on the port side made a bull's-eye. This was too much for Chubby. The superstructure of the New York lifted as though an internal magazine explosion had taken place. Chubby thrust his perspiring head and shoulders out of the opening. Immediately, the crews of the two destroyers made good their conspiracy to pepper him. "'You wait till I get you!' Chubby shouted angrily. Disregarding the destroyer's accurate fire, the stout boy clambered out of the New York and dropped with a mighty splash into the shallow depths of the artificial lake. Once on his feet, he waded toward the nearer destroyer. Too late, Claude attempted frantically to start his motor. Chubby's hand caught the bow of the Jack Berry and swung the boat toward himself. He lifted the superstructure and grabbed Claude Hazard. That combined captain and crew was dragging shriekingly out of the destroyer and into the water. Chubby ducked him again and again, despite the fair target he presented to Angelo. Here, the John Paul Jones made a tactical mistake. Its captain let his vessel drift too close. Suddenly, Chubby had the opportunity he had waited for. When Angelo's destroyer was within reach, Chubby let the waterlogged clod go with a final push that sent him to the bottom of the lake. Then the fat boy with a dead man's float glided to the side of the John Paul Jones. Angelo knew what to expect, and he put up stiff opposition to being peeled away from his craft. But Chubby's greater strength prevailed. Angelo was held helpless and submerged, then he was turned inside out. In between disappearances, he managed to yell to Claude. Jump! Jump on him, Claude! Angelo's head went under again. Claude Hazard was only too eager to combat Chubby. He waited behind the fat boy, and watching his opportunity, sprang on his neck and bore him backwards. The three disappeared in a welter of white water. It was at this stage of the water battle that G.T. drifted into the naval show's entrance. He saw the struggle, and then his eyes fell on a fire hose at his feet that the employees had been using to wash down the walks, and had not yet coiled back into place. Running to the hydrant, he turned on a half head of water. The hose wiggled like a live snake. G.T. got back to the nozzle just in time to direct its stream of water into the middle of the three struggling boys. A cloudburst hit them, played over them, stung them. The fight was mutually forgotten in this new danger. Bakun and his sons, yelling mightily, waded out into the middle of the lake, anywhere to escape that iron bar of water that knocked the breath out of them. When Chubby was drained out sufficiently to voice his indignation, he shouted, Hey, G.T., you don't understand. This, this Angelo, and this, this Claude here deserve to be drowned, not me. Sure you do, you baby hippopotamus, cried Angelo, wading further away. He caught the drifting John Paul Jones and fell on board. Buddy, who had been an excited non-combatant, welcomed his small master with much chattering. Angelo had no time for his attentions. 
He did not stop till he heard G.T.'s repeated shoutings. "'What's that you are saying?' "'I'm saying, you imbeciles,' repeated G.T., "'that if Captain had happened to stroll into his naval show "'and had seen the water roughhouse you fellers were having with his property, "'you'd have been kept out of this concession for the rest of the season. "'That's all I've been trying to drive down your throats with his fire hose.' "'You did that, all right,' Claude muttered as he spat out more of the lake's water. "'I—' I felt like a pipe full of water when that stream hit my open mouth. Come on, Chubby, get that portable man of war of yours back into the harbor and hurry. It is almost time for the park to open. At this unexpected news, all three boys started up their engines and cruised slowly back to the home port. All fight had been taken out of them. Angelo voiced the universal idea when he said, as he tied up his destroyer alongside Claude's Jack Barry, GT is right. We should not have fought with park property. Just suppose something had happened to one of these naval boats, and they could not have used it in the first show this afternoon. I know what would have happened to my pay envelope next Monday morning. What? asked Claude with a worried look on his still wet features. It would have been a blank. All the same, put in Chubby, I'll continue paying you too what I owe you the next time I catch you in the pool. Yes, sang out Angelo, the next time you catch either of us. Hey, Claude? Chubby Kramer started to close in, and the two smaller boys fled shrieking into the outer protection of the court of Kogloom to finish their dressing. End of chapter 8 Recording by Maria Therese